0: The Sports Career Podcast, episode 175. How is digital marketing influencing the sports industry? Hello, Sports Achiever, and welcome back to tuning into the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. Before I talk about today's special guest... Out of interest, have you checked out my latest booklet on Amazon Kindle, The Sports Career Booklet, where in seven steps I explain to you how to start and pursue a successful career in the sports industry, where I provide you a real overview of all the people I've interviewed on my podcast show and really break it down on how you can pursue a career in the sports industry so it's reality. If you want more information about my latest booklet, go to education2sport forward slash booklet. As you know, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports PR and digital marketing. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is John Archibald. John has a fascinating sports career journey and he is the CEO of Revolutions Promotions where he specialises in digital marketing in the sports industry and in the business sector. For that reason, it's brilliant to have John as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, John will share his sports career journey and explain to you how digital marketing is influencing the sports industry. John, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you share to the listeners your sports career journey? When did it all start?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And first and foremost, said, let me thank you for having me on the show. I'm really honored to uh, to speak with you today, and I'm sure we're going to get into some really great conversation. Um, so my uh, my sports journey starts back with me. I uh, as a young athlete, uh, play, I was one of those kids who played every sport that uh, you possibly could, uh, ranging in everything from uh, American football to you know football or soccer, as we Americans call it here, basketball, baseball boxing, you name it. I was uh, really mixed my hands in as many things as I could. Um, So I kind of had that impression that sports was always going to be part of my life, and I wanted to make it my professional career. Unfortunately for me, I did not have the athletic skills to do it as an athlete, so I had to find another way. Um, and then when I went to university, I attended a uh, a, a college here in the, the States, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And when I was attending there, I really started to kind of develop a love for public relations and communications and uh, the marketing field to an extent um, as well. But that kind of th- Whole you know space really seemed to grasp my interests a lot more than anything else with the classes that I was taking, and I kind of decided that you know this public relations thing let's see if I can merge that into a uh a, prof- a career in sports so uh, initially, what I did was i uh my first uh taste was I interned for the sports information department at my university um upon graduation uh we had a, again, referencing American football, uh, in a league here called Arena Football League, and below the Arena Football League was a league called Arena Football Two, which was kind of like a minor league system to that Arena Football League. I had a few friends of mine that were who were going to uh, play in the Arena League, and so my first start into professional sports and kind of my where I my origin is, if you will was I sent out my resume at that time between those two arena football leagues. I believe there was 35 teams, and of those 35 teams, I got a whopping response from one team. (laughs) Luckily for me, the uh, one response came from a team in uh, southwest Florida. So to answer your question, the way it started for me was in in arena football – uh, here in the states, in uh, the state of Florida, and when I went in to interview with the uh, team, it was a uh, I was living in Tennessee at the time, um, and I drove down, you know, the eight and a half hours or whatever it was to the bottom of Florida, and basically they told me that uh, we're going to offer you a sales job, and we're not going to give you a salary. You're going to make all your money off commissions. That's it. And here's your bonus: we're going to allow you to be our public relations uh, director, but we're not going to pay you to do it. And so, you know, being the uh, the person I was and just knowing that, hey, this is the opportunity to get me in. It's going to be a struggle for a while. But, you know, now I can get my PR feet wet and uh, try to make it happen from there. So that's that's that is how the, the story begins with
0: me. Just on that note relating to that story and I think this is really important to the listeners who want to actually pursue a career in the sports industry. Can you just remember when driving down that you have to show that commitment you know because a lot of the people we said off air, a lot of people want to work in the sports industry think of it as like this dream job but actually it comes down to you know rolling up those sleeves and sometimes just getting your foot in the door and then making a good first impression. Was that going in your mind when you were Driving down to that first ever job. Absolutely, and the thing is, is
1: when I was in the car going down there, you know, it's a, you know, when you're fresh out of university, is kind of a, uh, kind of a bit of an odd time in in someone's life. You know, it's almost you're still young, but you almost have to move on from that form of youth, if that makes any sense. And you know, it's time to start a career. And so here I was leaving, uh, you know, a pretty. Pretty good life in Tennessee, which was, uh, you know, surrounded by all the people that I know, and what was of comfort to me. But something I've kind of always prided myself on is being able to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable. So I knew going down to Florida, where I knew where I did not know a single soul, um, that uh, that would be the move for me to kind of force me to have to really focus on. Doing what I need to do to advance my career, and then as I got down there, and what happened throughout the course of that first season down in arena in arena football with the uh, the team I was working with, is that uh, and this being my first ever gig out of college or out of university and in PR. So during that season, think about being a you know a young PR director, you know, fresh out of the gate, and these are some of the things we dealt with down there. Were one, we actually we unfortunately lost one of our players in a, in a automobile accident. So tragically lost one of our players. So dealing with that, you know, the, the whole situation there, which was obviously very difficult. Uh, we, at that area of the uh, region that we were in actually was ravaged by a hurricane, hurricane Charlie at the time. So it wiped out, you know, so many people's homes and everything else. And while we were in the midst of a playoff run, the, the, the basically our arena had become the shelter for all those people who had lost their homes. So here you have these people who literally have nothing left and they're just sitting in the stands at the, in the arena. And throughout that time when we're trying to go through the playoffs, we just felt horribly cause we'd have to, you know, kick these people off the turf and, you know, so we could get in and we could, you know, get our training in for the day. And lo and behold, what came to us or when the people came to us and spoke to us about it, they thanked us because when we came in for that, you know, hour and a half, two hours of training each day, that was their only form of entertainment that they had. And basically that whole community got behind us and said, you know, bring home this championship to us. So we have something to distract us from what's going on. Um, which again is the power of sports. And we actually won a championship that season as well and won it on our home turf. So throughout that season, you know, dealt with the tragedy of, of losing a player. You know, we dealt with the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the natural disaster of a hurricane and then actually, you know, the ultimate, you know, high of winning a championship. So it was uh, co- quite a lot of ups and downs for someone just getting his feet wet as I was. And um, when that season completed, I was actually in a situation where, as I'd mentioned before, 100 percent commission based. I had no money coming in. And anyone who's worked in, in, prof- in sports before knows that when that off season hits, those phones aren't ringing for at least a few months so um, it was going to be difficult, and that's when I actually made the decision that once again I was going to uproot my life just eight months after doing it previously to move to Florida and moved up to New Jersey, which is where I was actually born, if that's not uh, confusing enough for my whole story. but uh, So I made the, the decision to kind of uproot my life once again, move up to New Jersey, and then almost that quickly a whole new second chapter of my, uh, of my journey is what happened.
0: Wow, I wish you could see my face expression cuz I'm sort of lost for words with that story. Just really quickly reflecting now with your career. That first year, what have you learned from that experience looking back?
1: That first year was what something I would say to anyone who's who's getting into the uh, the sports industry for sure is that when you go in, be totally receptive to those people who are around you that are trying to help you out and guide you and be honest with yourself, and it's, it's not a bad thing to admit to yourself that you don't know what you're doing. You're you're learning on the job. You're figuring it out because the only way to gain experience is to actually have that experience. So when I was working through that first season, um, you know, you must approach that a job like that with zero arrogance, and you must look for uh, people to to kind of help you, and don't be afraid to ask those questions. And one of the best things I learned from that was just, you know, what you can really, how you can educate yourself and really grow and evolve. When given the opportunity, I feel like there's so many people that get into the world of sports and they, they feel like it's it's earned already. Like they deserve it just because they've gotten there. And that's just not the the truth of the matter. And, you know, you're now you're not going to be receptive to the people who are giving feedback and and presenting you with education and information that's going to make you better. You're stuck stagnant and trying to convince people you're something you're not. And and I'm sure you know this as well is when someone thinks they're something the rest of the world knows they're not. So you're not fooling anybody. <laughs>
0: I totally agree with what you just said. And it's actually music to my ears because the thing that I admired the most from that story is it's not that first season wasn't really about the sport itself. It was about the community element, and that's what I admire the most from that first year from you, from a you know public you know PR perspective, is how you manage that, not just the team and with that sort of goal. Because I assume you had goals in place for for winning that season, but when you have those disasters. You've got to, you know, pivot to see the bigger picture. Just looking at your career now, you're at New Jersey with regards to your story. What did you do in New Jersey? And could you just fill in the gaps in what you're currently doing now? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So this is when I moved up to New Jersey was in 2004. Uh, When I arrived in New Jersey, I um, essentially what I did was my sister was living in the area. Um, She had a condo on the market that she took off the market and started renting to me. She was running an orthopedic firm and gave me a nine-to-five job, and then basically, with every one of those minutes outside of that nine-to-five, I was back to pursuing what I was trying to to uh, accomplish with my sports career. And for the next three years, I'll be honest, the uh, there was a lot of struggle because you think that you know you go into sports and you get a a PR gig uh, immediately, win a championship, uh, things are good. You know, then when I came to New Jersey, there was. That first three years, so I'm working a nine to five. I reached out to every and any team within uh, New Jersey, the Philadelphia area, you know, parts of New York City, just trying to gain experience. So, over those three years, I worked in everything from uh, professional men's indoor soccer, uh, and Ed, I apologize to all your listeners who, <laughs> if I, if I offend with the use of the word soccer, it's just how we've been, uh, how we've been, you know, kind up. of. Exactly. I apologize in advance. So please don't hold it against me and, and don't hold it against Ed for having me on. <laughs> but uh, so the I, I, everything from professional uh, men's indoor soccer uh, back again with arena football. Um, I worked with the local university, of New Jersey, Rutgers University with their bas- men's and women's basketball with their football program. Um, and I uh, worked pr- lacrosse you, pretty much had you name it anything and everything I could get my experience in. I was I was doing it and it kind of. It also created a little bit more of humility in me as well, because these weren't full blown on internships where I was you know going in and you know, in the office, obviously, because I had a nine to five, I basically was doing everything and anything I could to just work game days or you know gain experience other ways. And y- anything I could do to just put more experience into my myself and you know build up a resume. So for three years there, it was a lot of that. and I'll, I had a lot of moments where I was saying to myself, you know what? Um, here we are, you know, at this point, four years out of university and I'm still really not anywhere of, of note of significance. You know, is this, should I have a real heart to heart with myself in terms of, it might be time for me to find something new. And this is another thing I'd say to anyone who's out there perfu- pursuing a sports or anything at all, is that if it's in your heart, you know, that is your mission. That's the pathway for you. Keep going on. And then eventually something will happen to, uh, kind of break through and give you an opportunity for me. Uh, that was with a professional men's indoor soccer team that, um, came to New Jersey, the New Jersey devils of the uh, national hockey league, built a brand new arena, in Newark, New Jersey, and they decided they needed to fill some more dates. So what they did is they brought in professional, uh, men's indoor soccer. And on that team, we actually, uh, I went in to go interview with the team and, um, So there was a lot of resumes that were coming in a big, big, shiny new brand new arena and, and indoor soccer at the time. And the major indoor soccer league was actually on pretty good footing at that time. You know, there was ESPN coverage and, um, you know, it was doing fairly well, you know, here it comes in a, a, an NHL team putting a team in. And if it does well there, you know, who's to say four or five other NHL teams don't do the same thing. So it was an exciting time. But I was trying to become the director of communications, and I remember when I read through their uh, the, the requirements they had of the job, and I was like, yep, don't have this. I probably haven't done that. Nope, experience is not very good there, but you know what? I just got to get in there and sit in front of somebody and, and be able to try to convince them that I'm the person for the job. And luckily for me, uh, they did actually bring me in to to interview for the job. Uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Tony Novo was the general manager at the time who came in, and a mutual friend that we now have, uh, Ed Jim Gooley, was the uh, the director of game day operations there. And so I went in, and you know I, I gave my interview and. The thing is, is as I mentioned before, I'd worked with a professional uh, men's indoor soccer team in Philadelphia, and I'd gotten in pretty pretty well with a, ma- a gentleman by the name of Dave Deal, who was doing the PR for the team, and Dave gave me a huge endorsement. You know, they ba- he basically told them that you know there's no one else whom you should hire. This is the person to do it. He might not have the experience, but he's going to do a good job for you. And it just so happens also that a, a gentleman by the name of Omid Namazi was the uh, head coach who had previously worked in Philly right before I'd been there. So there was this whole Philly connection. And Omid now is uh, actually was just recently hired by the, as an assistant to Tab Ramos with the Houston Dynamo in uh, Major League Soccer. And uh, he's worked with the national teams and various other things as well. Um, and what I was told from that interview – and this is a kind of another thing I guess I would say to anyone that might have, might see, find themselves in a similar situation to what I was that day is after the fact, um, Tony Novo and there was another person from the uh, MISL who was there kind of helping get the team set up. The reason why I got the job is they said when they sat down and they spoke to me. The energy bled through my body almost, you know, it came out of my pores and just, they said that they felt that I would run through a brick wall for the team. And you know what? They were right. I was going to do anything and everything I could to, uh, to really make things work there. So that gets us, I guess, into the next part of it, Ed, where, um, you know, I guess chapter two, where the break finally came. And of course, there's more chapters to it that we'll, we'll dive into, but I guess that gets us right around to the, uh, the two, 2007 to 2009 is when the Ironman were in existence.
0: Just really quickly, I get so many questions like, Ed, how do you prepare for that interview? And the one thing I loved about your story very quickly, just overviewing it, is that you still had the courage despite that the job description may not hit the criteria. So how important is it to be mindful what the criteria for the role is, but just still have the courage to apply for the role. Because you know what I mean? Like some people don't apply because they don't think they're qualified. So just really reflecting from that experience, what did you learn the most when you did that interview?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What I would say, the mindset I took was I read through there and when I was, read through a lot of the things there was, you know, we prefer this and we prefer that. And there's all these things on paper, but as anything in life is, what's on paper and what's in a person when you actually meet them face to face or you speak to them one on one is two entirely different things. You could look at someone who has the, the perfect resume on paper, you know, and you could speak to that person and just know they're not the right fit for something. And what I would tell tell people is that you look through something and there's requirements, and of course every job is going to have that. But if you look at something and, and you know within yourself, you can learn all these things and don't hide from the fact, you know, you don't lie and say you've done this thing or you've done that thing, be upfront, tell them I may not have experience doing Said activity that was in the uh, job requirements, but I guarantee you this: I will learn how to do that, and I will give more effort and energy into learning how to do that. That you give me six, seven months down the road, I will be much better at this than you know other candidates that you might be looking at, because this is the kind of effort you're going to get from me in everything I do. And if, if you're speak, you speak this way, and you're you're truly intentful in everything you're saying, and when you get into the job and start performing this manner you know it, it's that hunger that drive that energy i kind of everything it's in life i kind of always tend to to compare to sports you know it's i was that athlete you know when i was a kid that didn't have the greatest skills but it just you know God-given talents, but I would work so hard to get absolutely the best I could at every component of a game, you know, putting in all the extra work and the heart and the the, the the grit, the drive. And that's the same thing I apply now to my professional life. And while it might say in the job requirements that we need you to have this and these other things, you know, if it's something that's within grasp, you know, if it says you have to have a, a degree from a university, and you don't have one, you know, that could be tough to you know, to say you're going to get down in the next six months. But if there's things in that job and those job requirements and you could come up with the energy and learn those things and get them done, you can convince someone that that's that's the person you are, because the fact of the matter is I was just someone who had never had the opportunity to prove that I could do a lot of those things.
0: and I can hear your drive through your voice and very similar. To my man, I was one that got involved in sport, but never had that talent, uh, unfortunately, to you know, get involved at the elite stage of sport. Now, really quickly, with regards to those four years of hustling, because that's how I define it with you, John, how important is it to build those meaningful conversations to build a network?
1: It, extremely, because as I mentioned with the previous job, the, the, one of the main hooks I had in with getting the opportunity was the relationship that I had with uh, the, the team in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Kicks, uh, the gentleman Dave Deal. Um, if he doesn't give me that full endorsement, whom... He was very good friends with Omid Namazi, the head coach, that basically said whatever Dave says is is gold and listen to him. So if those connections didn't exist, I never had that opportunity. As I mentioned, I was getting very close to making a decision to take a hard pivot and do something else in my life. Um, but at that time, when there's a lot of you know hustling and grinding and those kind of things, and y- y- there was so much I was doing, and the real relationships for me really started with the Ironmen. Um, One of the things that was was incredible for me with the Ironman is uh you know I uh while well, I grew up in Tennessee I was as I mentioned I was born in New Jersey and I was never a goalkeeper but my favorite player was always Tony Miola the uh the, the you know the U.S. goalkeeper from uh the 90s and 2000s and I, I just love Tony was obviously he was New Jersey and but he played New Jersey and Tony was kind of you wouldn't necessarily say a a, a football player but he he played he just played with such grit and 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 anger almost, you know, that, uh, I loved his style of play. So even though he was a goalkeeper, he became my favorite player. And I bring that up because when I was speaking with the, uh, Ironman initially, uh, the Tony Novo, the general manager. And he said to me that, um, you know, yeah, we're talking about bringing in Tony Miola to come play. This is when Tony had just finished up his, uh, MLS career and was living in Kansas city at the time. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of cool for some, you know, marketing or promotional things. And he was like, no to play. And I was like, so I could possibly be the PR director on this team that has, you know, a, a, a US legend coming in to play goalkeeper in this indoor league. So uh, one day when we were there, and and Tony came in, and um, you know, it was really kind of a a full circle thing. It was, I think that was one of the first times in my head that I was able to say to myself, you know what, you've made progress. There's things are starting to happen, and I just knew when I met Tony that you know, now things are starting to kind of take a next step. And one of the things that was so amazingly incredible about Tony, whom I'm still, uh, I'm I'm fortunate enough to say that Tony Miolla and I grew a a, a real great friendship and I'm still very good friends with him today. But one of the things that was so beneficial with working with Tony is that, you know, here you have Tony, who's now, you know, a national soccer hall of fame, uh, hall of famer here in the U S and he, You can imagine the amount of calls that we were getting from media all over, you know, throughout the world, essentially. Um, And so with Tony there, Tony could have very easily been someone that said, here I am, you know, 100 caps with the national team, uh, you know, MLS MVP. You know, he was part of that group that put the the U.S. men's national team on the map. You know, he he had no reason to want to help some, you know, really green new PR guy find his way. And he was the absolute opposite person. Every media call that came through, Tony would never take the call directly. Tony would always say they'd have to go through me. And I could always come to Tony with, you know, the 10,000s of questions I would have. And I'd say, Tony, you know, how, how would you handle this situation or how should I handle that? You know, this this media relationship, blah, blah, blah. And Tony guided me through all that. So he became a great, uh, he, he mentored me, you know, more or less on how to navigate your way through you know these different things. So here I was working with an indoor soccer team, which might not seem like the most glamorous thing in the world, but you know, Tony was helping me. I was almost given a, you know, my uh, my master a master's class from Tony in the year that we spent together there, and learning how to navigate through the the, you know, the media climate and, and landscape, and um, and also with relationships. This is uh, pre me owning my own company. So this that when I. Created my own company and I apologize Ed, if I'm running long, but I'll make this one quick Um, But uh, Jim Gouley who is a mutual friend of the two of us uh, While we were working together there Jim was working with a uh, an amateur Women's soccer team called the New Jersey Wildcats or he had been Um, and Essentially uh, He also had a very good friend by the the name of Charlie namo the two of them had worked together with the Wildcats and uh charlie was headed out to california to work with a uh, a team called the Pali blues soccer club this is post wusa folding so the first iteration of a women's uh, professional league here in the states and before women's professional soccer which was the second one which has since um you know uh folded and now national women's soccer league is league but jim is one of those people that uh he he's a tremendous person to have in your corner because he always looks out for you, Jim connected me with Charlie over in California, and I started to do um the communications work for for Charlie and the pally blues, so despite never seeing that team play, Charlie and I developed a good enough rapport where I could was literally writing the recaps for this for the games and you know all the press releases and everything and uh Jim also had the relationship with the wildcats, so he hooked me up with the Wildcats there and um so one day the uh The way that my company was actually created was I used to have a commute every day where I was in the car for thirty minutes, then I was on the train for an hour had about a thirty minute walk into the arena, so two hours in two hours out and uh you know this is going in at seven every day, and there was there was mornings i was or days I was leaving on the one thirty a m train back out and one day I was just on the train and I, just exhausted and I was like there's there's got to be something better i've got to figure out something else because this is just not sustainable long term And I just popped into my head. I was like, you know what? I should just start my own company. I hear Jim has already hooked me up with these two additional clients. I have the Ironman that could transition into a client relationship. Um, So I should just start my own company, and it'll be a PR and communications firm in sports. And I called it Resolution Sports, which is what my company originally started as. Just so happened there was a small business office in the Newark train station I went through every day. And I sat down one day knew nothing about starting my own business. They gave me just enough information to find out how to file an LLC. And two weeks later, I was a a business owner and Resolution Sports was, uh, was, was founded.
0: Look, I've just enjoyed all of that. I've got to break it down very, very quickly. Firstly, I hope the listeners are taken on board the power of networking with that journey with Tony, with Jim. That's how it works. I just want to overview that for the listeners while you catch your breath, John. And really quickly as well. What have you learned the most by making that decision to start in your company? Because it takes courage. And I just wanted to ask you the courage reflecting now for making that decision.
1: Yeah, you know what, Ed? At the time, I didn't necessarily know what I was going to do with it. I uh I started the company at the time and it's it, it, I still had the security of a full 9 to 5 job or 9 to 5 you'd say but you know it was more like 80 90 hours a week anyone who's worked in sports knows how those those go um but I still had some security in terms of you know having a a, a paycheck that was coming to me so I didn't have to necessarily make that huge leap yet but I would shortly thereafter when the New Jersey Ironman, unfortunately, the team folded um, because indoor soccer became a little bit too volatile. And that's when I had to make the decision, and that's when the, the guts and the grit came in, of, or the courage, as as you said. Um, to I, Basically, when the Ironman folded, I could go one of two ways. I could go find another job, or I could go full force with my company. Again, through the relationship with Jim, he hooked me up with what became the next step and the, the first big client of Resolution Promotions or Resolution Sports at the time, which was Sky Blue FC, uh, the professional women's team.
0: Just with regards to that, would you mind sharing to listeners what Resolution Promotions is all about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Resolution Sports, um, you know, when the Ironman had folded. And then I moved on and was working with sky blue FC of then women's professional soccer, uh, became the first client. And then I started to pick up some other clients. Um, then unfortunately women's professional soccer, the league itself folded, um, a few years after that, which put me in another unfortunate situation of, if you look at that, you know, now we're talking the Ironman folding and sky blue, you know, being on hiatus due to the league, uh, shutting down. Now they're in a a period of, you know, just over two two years, I had had my main source of income taken away from me. So I was forced to get into a nine to five job where I sat in a cubicle every day, Um, had a family friend who was nice enough to hook me up with a job. But that was the day I learned for sure I was not built to work in the corporate world. I learned why people hate going to work every day (laughs) because I loved what I did so much and um, when I was forced to start going into a nine to five and sit in a cubicle and kind of just become another lab rat of that the corporate world, you know, I hate to say, I hope that doesn't sound too harsh to anyone who's, who's in that world, but it's just, it was tough for me. That's when I made the decision to create Resolution Promotions, which was in essence a second company, but now has evolved to Resolution Promotions is the umbrella. Resolution Sports, you you could say still exists because um, it's the originator and actually, uh, as of November the 4th was uh, 11 years since Resolution Sports was founded. Resolution Promotions was created about six years ago and now serves as the umbrella company. So Resolution Promotions is what I function under. Under, And the reason why I created Resolution Promotions was love sports, never thought I would venture outside of sports. But uh, as we'll dive in with digital marketing, had really started to become such a, a big mainstay of now all forms of, of industries and jobs and, and different businesses. So I created resolution promotions essentially to not put myself in a box where I could only work with sports clients. Basically what it did to me is it opened up the door where I could work with any kind of business regardless of what it is that they actually do.
0: Just relating to today's podcast topic now, how important is digital marketing influencing the sports industry
1: absolutely tremendous it's uh i can remember back with the ironman was when twitter was originally uh created and so you know twitter it eventually evolved into where more with the sky blues now you started to do the live game updates with twitter and you know facebook was still in its infancy um you know back in the the days of the ironman too so there was these new things you know didn't necessarily know how to use them or best utilize them but what i did know at that time When you're working in a sport like indoor soccer, for example, you know, you don't have the, and you're working in the the New York City, you know, major metropolitan area. So you're fighting for every inch of space you can get, every inch of coverage you can get. Um, So I started looking for advantages or things we could do that other people weren't doing, differentiators. Social media became that. So I really dove into social media and learning everything you could to maximize social media because it at least... Enabled us to be doing something that you know maybe the 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 Giants and Jets and Devils and and Rangers and you know the Yankees Mets the big teams in the area weren't necessarily doing yet because they didn't have to, you know I viewed it as we're in a position where we have to do these kind of things we have to learn these things we have to implement these things because it can be because now when everybody else figures out that they have to do social media as well, you know what happens we're already ahead of the curve and so now we're learning the next thing so. Um, I, I, luckily I got involved in, you know, the, the world now being digital marketing originally, I guess you could say social media is where that, the turn happened. And so what's been great for me with digital marketing is kind of seeing that evolution of scrounging, not knowing what to do with it now, where, could you imagine if there was a team that played a game and wasn't live tweeting, (laughs) you know, know. it'd be crazy crazy to think about. And now it's like, could you imagine if they weren't putting up clips of highlights during, during the actual game? But something like that, you know, 10, 12 years ago sounds crazy that you could be able to do things like that. So digital marketing, what is the thing that's so appealing to me about digital marketing is how overwhelming it actually is. Is, That might sound completely backwards, but uh, if I explain a little bit, the reason why I love digital marketing is it's constantly evolving. You cannot sit still. If you want to stay on top of all the digital marketing trends and learn the ner- new things that are going on. And so what happens with a lot of people is they get so overwhelmed that they can't keep up with it and they kind of, you know, they can kind of get lost in it. But that type of attitude of being overwhelmed by it, I see that overwhelmment as opportunity. So if we stay on top of these trends, and this is what I tell all my clients whom I work with, you know, by everyone else, they get overwhelmed and they kind of They fall comfortable in what they're doing. Once again, getting getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Let's let's test the waters. Let's find new things. And I always stay on top of these trends. So anyone who's working with me, you know, is almost has an advantage because I'm so hunger driven to you know find the best ways to implement digital marketing that um, you know it's going to benefit all clients. But it's digital marketing now. It's 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 so funny because. A younger generation of people are never going to know a time when, you know, social media and, you know, the instant access to video and, you know, the, all these different things. You used to have to actually go places, if, if crazy as that sounds, right, Ed? <laughs> <But> now-
0: <laughs> oh, it does. Look, I can still remember the Nintendo 64, my friend, and now everything's just like, you know, touchpad. And the one thing I wanted to add, if this is cool with you, with social media, with the overwhelm, I think you highlighted a really great point. But what it also provides is creativity. Because that's the key thing. I, that's how I look at social media is is to use it as a tool to be creative with your message. And for any young marketers just starting out, that's how I started. I don't know if that's how you started using social media. But, you know, as you rightly said, you just gave a great example. Imagine teams, they're doing tweets. Now they're doing videos. What's the next thing? It's probably going to be like live streaming or, you know, that's the great thing about it. Just getting back to your career now, what have you been up to recently?
1: Yeah, so and a kind of another thing to touch on too uh with what you were just saying Ed was I, I think what's going to actually happen next with um with with in terms of digital or the marketing world or the the creative world uh you know used a better word there, creative is I think that what's going to shortly be happening with uh professional sports games is with VR and augmented to re- augmented reality is I think now you're gonna basically be able to, to, you know, put on a headset with the glasses and it's gonna be like you're sitting in a seat in the stadium. You're gonna hear the roars and everything around you, and it's gonna be like you're sitting in that seat in the stadium, you're watching the game there, you know, and having the option to turn on the, the commentators and all that. And so you actually literally could be just sitting in your living room at a desk and experience the game day experience. Um, and it, it's just, it's remarkable where it can go and it's a really exciting thing. But, uh, back to the, the, the question that you actually asked me, um, today is, uh, what I've done is I've actually shifted away from working in team sports, um, a little, uh, probably about a year ago. Um, I uh, had stepped away from sky FC. I'd been with the team, you know, in some form or fashion over a period of about nine years and reason being why I stepped away from team sports was now I'm, I'm, completely focused on being the the ceo of resolution promotions and while skyball fc was a client of uh resolution promotions you know the the game has shifted so much that you can't have a person running your communications program who's you know has other focuses and things that that he's doing so you know you need that full-time staff who's in there and it's the, the game has shifted to an extent to where um I wanted to focus on running my company, uh, working with more small businesses, working directly with professional athletes themselves. You know, I'm I'm um, very—it's—it's a great honor of me as as another person who's a very close friend of mine is uh, uh, Christy Pierce Rampone. Was the captain of the U.S. women's national team for a long time. Christie and I, you know, have a personal relationship and a business relationship to where, uh, you know, I work with a lot of things with her. Um, I'm not sure how many people overseas are familiar with the gentleman by the name of Eric Legrand, but uh, Eric was a uh, Rutgers football player, American football. Um, you know, headed to the NFL, um, and one day on ki- on a kickoff was running down the field, made a tackle that has since um, rendered him uh, you know, paralyzed from the shoulders down. So while confined to a wheelchair, Eric is the, one of the most mobile people you'll, you'll ever be earned. And I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage anyone who's listening to this to just go find five minutes of Eric Legrand speaking and it'll literally change your life. Cause while Eric, you know, is, is, is in a wheelchair for now, I truly believe that if, if anyone's able to, to overcome this disability and walk again, it'll be Eric. Um, but Eric has every right to be mad at the world. You know, he's someone who has uh, every right to, to be mad and, and want to know why me and all that. And if you talk to his mother, she says in the nine years since that injury's occurred, he's complained, uh, he, she can count the number of times he's complained on one hand. And so why I love being around Eric and working with Eric is because you have nothing but positivity surrounding you when you're around Eric. You know, here he is someone, like I said, it can be mad at the world, but Eric takes the decision of, you know what this injury happened to me because now it provides me with a platform where I can spread my message of positivity that I ne- I wouldn't necessarily have had you know even if I'd made it to the NFL you know if but I've been provided this platform and I'm going to be that speaking voice for you know people in, in the disability world and uh so what some of the things Eric and I work on together is uh one of the most fun things I have with him is we do a vlog series together that um you know literally just finished up one yesterday where you know, we were at a, a Samsung VIP event where, you know, everyone from Dwayne Wade to Jerry Seinfeld and Wyclef Jean and The Roots and, you know, all these people were there and, you know, they all come take the time to whatever they're doing and they come find Eric, you know, just to tell Eric what an inspiration he is. So, you know, working with people like him, like Christy, working with a lot of small businesses now as well. Um, but uh, the the beauty of digital marketing is what, you know, this world can be global so you can do things remotely so there's really no limitations now which makes it such an exciting time to be involved in it
0: absolutely really quickly with regards to eric and that vlog is there access to it on youtube out of interest okay awesome well there'll be a link i would love to whack that link in i would love to see it myself and just on a personal note john honestly you've shared some amazing stories amazing experiences but here's the big question for you now: What have you enjoyed looking back from your sports career journey right now? You know, Ed, it's sports are so great, and the reason why we love sports is
1: that it creates moments that just can't be duplicated. We're, we're, when you're a fan of a team and your your team wins a you know wins a championship, or you know when your favorite athlete uh, you know does something spectacular, it's those moments that make it so special, and that's why we love sports. Or when you see something where you know. Something like with the, with the back to the topic of Eric and what you know what he 's become in the in, within the sports world it 's those experiences and now, what I love about my career and the involvement of sports is when you 're actually able to be there in person and experience a lot of these things and not only have tremendous experiences such as winning a championship but to know you had a role in it, to know you played your part um, it 's those kind of things like the uh, back at the Ironman, the first game that we ever had there. Pele was our honorary captain that's an experience that you just cannot create you know in another world where you know I was I ran a press conference for Pele and I could remember looking out at you know this we were mobbed with media because it was the first game and obviously him being there is such a big deal and um, when I introduced him and and I went out and stuck my hand out for him to to shake his hand and if anyone who knows Pele is he's all about love immediately walked right past my hand and gave me this huge hug. So it was such a special moment. And just, you know, looking out at the the all the media members who've been covering the sports, some of them, you know, for 40 years, whatever it could be, and the look of awe on their faces, you know, because he's just a, such a game-changer. And, you know, we had the opportunity to with Sky Blue, uh, you know, when President Obama was in office, we went and we were at the White House and we were honored there and got to experience that. that. And it's just so many experiences, things that just – like never you can never duplicate you can never recreate you know soccer has taken me overseas to go on international tours with sky blue fc to turkey and and to another one to japan and you know these kind of things just don't happen in regular life you know it's it's such a special thing to be able to to experience these things so what i would say looking back on my career to this point what's been so great is just those memories and those moments that just have been so amazing
0: john you're just blowing me away Honestly, I really do hope the listeners are owing it in as much as I am because to be (laughs) honest, no, I'm literally blown away because the reason I'm going to explain it is a lot of people don't see this side of the sports industry and the journey it can take you. And look, I love to finish with an inspirational question. You provided bags of examples, not just career guidance tips, but bags of examples. And I think they're more powerful than tips, but out of interest, if you had to sum it in three tips, what would you give to a university student who aspires to work in the sports industry?
1: What I would say is, I, I use sports metaphors a lot, as I mentioned before. When you go into the industry, you almost have to treat it like an like you're an athlete. You know, you gotta you have to come in and and earn your stripes. So, if I had to say three things, you know, the first would be you know, be prepared for those ups and downs, like an athlete. You know, good days, bad days. You play a good game, play a bad game. Um, but you will struggle. And the first thing I've got to tell people is that you're, there's going to be a lot of struggles, especially initially. And, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest, it's such a competitive world that the salary is not going to be good. You're going to have to earn your way to a, you know, even a manageable, uh, wage and, and income. So be ready for the ups and downs. So the first thing, first and foremost is know you'll struggle, but just always keep your eyes on, you know, that, that, that mission at the end, you know, when you're a sports team, your mission is to try to win that championship at the end of the season. So it's almost like going, when you're going to an athlete, you know, it's only, uh, the first 15, you know, there when you're struggling and there's no money, but you know what? In the second 15, you know, it, it things start to get a little bit of better. And, and then as you start to get close to halftime, now you're, you're starting to kind of pave your way. You could see an end goal for what's going on. So number one, I would say is be ready for the struggle. Um, the, uh, the second thing is find ways to differentiate yourself from the pack, kind of touching on what we had before with, um, you know, going in and being totally open to feedback and being able to be educated by those people who have more experience than you. If you go in with arrogance, you will be we- you will be weeded out and you will not survive. You know, it's um, do not go in with arrogance, go in with complete embrace and openness. So uh, when you meet people like the Jim ghoulies of the world, as we both did, and able to kind of learn so much from them and take in so much from them, um, be able to absorb things like a sponge, you know, go in completely open minded. And um, the last thing I'd say is like an athlete, you always have to be working at your craft. You, um, you need to always be doing things away from the playing field, that being in the office or the field, wherever it could be and learning new things. You know, as we were talking with digital marketing, it's such a huge world right now that's constantly evolving. There's so much you can learn to make yourself better. So constantly work on your craft to become a better athlete or, you know, a better, uh, you know, worker within the sports world. So I'd say be ready for the struggle, um, you know, differentiate yourself and educate yourself. And always improve and get better.
0: That is fantastic. I really do hope the listeners take those three tips on board. John, how can people interact with you on social media? Yeah, so the, all of my
1: personal John Archibald uh, social media handles are Res Sports. So that's R-E-S-S-P-O-R-T-S, um, and that's Twitter, that's Instagram. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn, John Archibald, um, and then my company uh, handles are all Res Promos, so that's R E S P R O M O S. That's Twitter, Instagram. We have a LinkedIn page on uh, Resolution Promotions. Um, y- you know, pretty much everywhere you can you look, you'll find us. And then um, for anyone who's interested in learning more about the company, um, the website is ResPromos.com as well. There's a story page on there that, um, a- as you've probably delved from this conversation, it go it runs a little long as I start talking. So I'd like to apologize to the listeners. If you've made it this far, I, I definitely applaud you. I uh, hope it didn't bore you too much. It, it kind of can run long when I'm telling the story, but it's just because I'm reliving it myself every time when I do, and I just get so excited. And I, it's hard for me to stop and cut the story off. So I apologize if my responses ran a little bit long, but I love doing these kinds of things because I almost get to relive it again myself.
0: John, no apologies needed. Firstly, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. John, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Ed. And if you ever need me, you know how to find me. What a fascinating podcast chat with John. It's interviews like this that get me excited to why I podcast in the first place. And as much as we did talk about today's podcast topic about digital marketing and how it influences in Monday sport, but this podcast chat provided so much more Like the biggest learning lesson I've taken from John's experience is his journey. Like it's something I'm learning as well that pursuing a career in the sports industry is not a job, it's a journey. And you're going to have ups and downs, which he mentioned as one of his sports career tips. But the biggest learning lesson from an employment standpoint was that interview example the power of having a network these two elements are so important but going back to that interview example where he said he wasn't really qualified but he knew he could really add value to that role and also he had a reference from an other person who validated him and his skill sets this is what it's all about it's all about creating your own opportunities by applying yourself and really get, you know, rolling up those sleeves and put in the hard work. And it's something I really admire from John. And also relating to my experience knowing John through Jim Gooley. Like, this is how it works in the sports industry. It's the people you meet. Like, Jim Gooley nicely introduced me to John. He said, this is a person you've got to interview. And that's how we managed to do this podcast. This is what it's all about, building those conversations, meaningful conversations, and the work he's doing with Eric, Man, you've got to check Eric out. His story is so inspiring. I read his book. And this is something where, as he mentioned, John, during our podcast, use sport as your example. Use sport as a metaphor relating to your career journey. Put in the reps. Embrace the hard stuff. Get used to being in that uncomfortable-to-be-comfortable mentality. Because, honestly, I'm going through this myself. And it's something that I don't think taught enough that going facing rejection understanding how to put in the hard work this is how you build careers and I really do hope you enjoyed this as much as I have and really apply John's mentality related to his work ethic into your sports career today and make it happen now as always at the end of each podcast episode I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker John said when you go into the sports industry be receptive to the people around you and learn from them be honest with yourself it's okay if you don't know what you're doing when you're figuring out by learning on the job the only way you're going to gain experience is to have that experience